No errors. Oh, really? I'm, I think. <laughs> I think. I hope. I don't know. <laughs> and action. 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 And we are laughing because we were about to cancel this episode because we had technical issues. So all of a sudden it's Not working. us. The That's internet. We're, like. Yay. we're okay. The internet. The concept the internet. of the internet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had issues. Um, so hello everyone and welcome to DevOps Topics episode number 40 and today we are going to talk about um, AWS reInvent 2023 all of the cool announcements and the in-between and of course we're probably gonna glide over to other topics because this is what we usually do so Omer first question of the day what's the first thing that comes up to your mind when I say AWS reInvent and the in-between Okay, I have to say something before that. Uh, I have a list of stuff that looked interesting while it was going on. I was following all kinds of people who tweeted about it. I was following AWS blog. <clears throat> However, there are so many announcements that uh, these are the ones that are interesting to me. I'm sure there are others that are interesting to you and others that may more appeal to anyone in the audience. So if you're in the audience and something else was worth noting or you want to chat to us, Feel free to reach out on uh, Twitter. I'll put that link as well. And slash Facebook, slash wherever. We'll try to grow a community somewhere. But I I'll promise if that's on Twitter, I'll answer and we can open a discussion. That said, uh, I have a list of stuff that I was Sounds watching. Good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have a list of stuff that I uh, prepared and I was watching throughout reInvent. And you know the notion how AWS kills like a thousand startups during reInvent? Uh, this year, it felt more like they were chasing the AI, uh, I don't know, trend. It feels like they were chasing instead of, uh, instead of leading the market as they usually do. Uh, so let's just dive in and, uh, and talk about each of the announcements. So starting from the first thing that's... Hey, okay. So that's the first yeah. thing that comes up to your mind? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's too okay. much, I know. Um, I thought you were going to say... AWS reInvent, I feel like they're going to reinvent the wheel and maybe we'll see new services. I thought you're going to talk about something more spiritual, you know, something more like reInvent is crazy. They're going to reinvent stuff. And no, we're just going to talk about new services and the reInvent. Look, every year, every other year you'd ask me, that would probably be the answer. This year was, or it still <laughs> is special in too many ways, uh, not only because of AWS, so, you know, it's, it's just, things are just the way they are. And I think. Okay. Go so I got to spice it up. Let's, uh, let's energize this reinvent. So it's going to be crazy. We heard about tons of new things, but not really. I only saw two, but we, I saw two cool things that probably Omer will also cover and uh, that's it. Okay. So Omer, what's the first feature or I don't know, service that you saw in the reinvent that you want to talk about? Okay, the first one, it's rather simple. I'm not sure how did we not have it until today. Every once in a while, Amazon announces something and I'm asking, really? Just now we didn't have something like that until today? So the first one is just uh, S3. They have like this bombastic name. It's called uh, Express One Zone, which basically means you can put your data in a single availability zone. Oh, thank you, AWS. Now, it's a very fancy name to a very simple service, which does a lot, by the way. It's very important. I guess lots of companies are using or 
serving their files on S3 to the rest of the world and they need lower latency, I guess. Now, to be fully honest, I don't see the immediate use case for that because in my eyes, you put stuff on S3 for recoverability and for resiliency. And then if you need something like spread across the globe, you'll probably use something like a CDN, right? So it's probably do have some kind of use case, probably not to serve for customers and maybe to your applications that sit in the same availability zone and you need, you need really low latency between them. Probably the same guys use, what do you call the feature of Amazon where you can put your EC2s on the same rack? Uh, dedicated, like uh, the same dedicated hardware. Like you know, mounted? No, there's a feature when you launch an EC2, you can tick this Shared. box that says tenancy. Yeah, tenancy, dedicated hardware. Yeah, dedicated instance. Yeah. So the tenancy, okay. uh, so shared tenancy, not shared tenancy. Anyway, you can put them on the same rack. So now you don't have S3 on the same rack, but you can make sure that it's on the same availability zone. So things will get smoother and faster, hopefully. So that's the first announcement. I can um, tell you the use case that I see for that, by the way. Mm -hmm. There's a good okay. use case for that, especially I think in the AI machine learning world where you collect data. So even though the data is for one zone, maybe someone like people can use S3 as a shared drive to load data that needs to be processed and then put in a normal S3 bucket. So like use S3 as a file system because Nowadays, you do see startups use S3 as a file system. So if they use that, process the data, assuming it's like terabytes, gigabytes, whatever of data that you don't really need to save it because you got it in your S3 standard um, mm -hmm. bucket where you initially collected the data. So for processing with high IOPS, I don't think it's really high, but whatever. But for processing with high input and throughput, output, whatever, I think it's a good good choice, good selection, especially if you're mounting your S3 bucket. So that's my use case, I think. If you're so mounting an S3 bucket, maybe you should use Express One. So, so let me dig in there. Perfect. Why would you use... I, I never got the point where people mount an S3 bucket. Why won't you use an EFS? Is that for cost? Is that because you don't cheaper enough? Cheaper? That's the thing? Mm -hmm. but, okay. Way, way, way cheaper. And no, again, sure. depends on your use case. But then again, I'm trying to think whether does that make sense? I mean, you're saving up costs on where data is saved, but at the end of the day, you're expecting some kind of performance. If you're not, I'm speaking about the new feature, right? People need the same availability zone because of latency. So you care enough about latency to put it in the same availability zone, but you care enough about costs just the same to not use an EFS and use an object store. I don't know. It just it feels weird. But like DFS is way more like I think the proportion, especially now that they made it half the price of the standard storage. Mm -hmm. But the proportion, I don't really remember now the prices. But every time we had this discussion whether to use EFS or mount S3 bucket, I think it's uh, it really depends on your use case, especially for uh, automation. So mm -hmm. if you want to mount EFS on your CI/CD runners, workers, whatever. It's fine, but if you load an S3 bucket, it's just way cheaper. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know it's not okay. native. Fair enough. You know, you need to install some agent and go, you know, Fuse or uh, Goofies. You know, there are many, many frameworks and applications that does this mounting, but uh, it works good. Okay. So moving on to the next topic. Yeah, Express One Zone was done. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Next, so, Omer? so the next ones, which I talked about earlier, are kind of, well, not kind of, these are trying to stay in the AI trend where I feel there are so many competitor, competitors out there, starting from OpenAI. If we just talk about uh, code generators, you have, I don't know, Codium, Copilot, GPT throughout the entire versions of it. You have Mistral. There's just too many of them. And now comes these guys from Amazon, and they release a bunch of tooling that sound good. But as we know it, Amazon usually provide the, the, the simple, they even call it foundation models. So, so they provide the foundation, something simple to work with. Not sure how it is, by the way. Uh, did not try it myself. I'm going to. I guess the pricing is going to be competitive because the other services are pretty expensive. And knowing... I don't think Amazon have the edge here of capability. The edge would be something else. Like we have so much infra that we can use that to provide competitive pricing, I think. So that's what I'm expecting. Um, they had lots of announcements. I'm going to talk about the ones that were interesting to me. So the first one was AWS Titan. Titan is just a wild name for every model they have. It's Titan FM, I think. So FM stands for foundation models. Titan, maybe the Titan submersible disappeared this year i don't know um one of them was an image generator so just like um dali or midjourney so now amazon have their own it doesn't feel as creative as the others it feels like more applicative right so you can do all kinds of editing stuff with it so yes it's an image generator you can uh, tell it give me an a lizard create a lizard an image of a lizard somewhere so you get a lizard for example with a black background and then you can tell it okay use the mask for that replace the lizard with a rabbit and then it'll place it a rabbit on the same uh background or replace the background to a beach scene so it'll do that so it's kind of an api to play around with editing photos more of a generative model although it is a generative model but i'm not expecting it'll be as creative as as nice as mid-journey which by the way, I stopped paying to them because I now have GPT. I don't know if you've experienced Midjourney V6, but it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. This thing is unbelievable. Um, so if you're playing with these I things, I haven't go used on. it for a while. I think I used it when they first released it, like initially released it. But then I, like maybe like a lot of users, I dropped it, you know. I, I went like you, by the way, started paying to GPT and GPT now does everything for you. You can not only text with it, you can like use it as a friend. You can ask it things to do. I, I, at this table I'm using right now, I'm not at home. I thought it was a standing table. It looks like it has some kind of a mechanism. I couldn't find it. So I uploaded a photo of the table and I asked ChatGPT, can you help me, I don't know, turn that into a standingness? So it tells me, I can't really see underneath. Can you take a photo? So I'm bending underneath, taking a photo, sending it to ChatGPT. And, and he says, okay, looks like the legs can change their height, but I don't see a mechanism. So look for the instructions or a manual handle. Anyway, <laughs> it was interesting. Now this thing can do everything. You can literally tell it, draw a picture of a lizard and you'll get a picture of a lizard from GPT on the same chat. So you don't have to do anything. It just does everything for you within the same place. If I want to create a Terraform template, it'll do that just as well below the image uh, that was generated. Uh, so that's amazing. But something I think is important to say, Midjourney, which I think is the best, in, especially in the, um, in the image generation world, doesn't have an API. For some reason, these guys are reluctant to release it. It's only served through Discord, and that's the only Chat. way for you to interact yeah. with it. 
Yeah, through chat. And what's nice about Amazon, I think you can do that. I know you can do that with ChatGPT, but Amazon are very good with APIs. So having something that's accessible via API that can do all these things, it's probably nice for someone who builds applications. Uh, that's the only plus I could find, I think. <laughs> Maybe this and the pricing. I don't know. Uh, okay, Anything cool. about that you want to add? Give me more. Give me more, Omer. Give me more. All right. I'll give you more. So uh, that was the image generator by Titan. The next one is Bedrock. Bedrock is uh, where Amazon are trying to compete Copilot and GPT in terms of code generation. Uh, sorry, that would be Code Whisper. <laughs> There's so many. I'm getting lost. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, Bedrock is another AI model, and that one is backed by AI21 Labs, which I think is an Israeli company, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so they just announced announced uh, new features and new models, so they have more models. They can help you. You know you have these step functions that you can manage different business steps, right, in a, in a chain of that one. Mm -hmm. Like one component does that, another component does this. So you can now integrate AI into that, and you can literally tell the AI model that you're running on different steps. So it can separate, it's the same thing you build, but it separates itself into the different steps and takes care of each step when the time comes. So that's nice and yeah, it's basically integration. It's, I think in my eyes, it's like when you set up containers on AWS, right? It used to be only ECS and you got everything around ECS. The single, uh, the, the moment you put a container on, you get monitoring, you get logging, you get alerting, everything around it is just built for you. It's just uh, take it and, and there you go. So I think that's what they're trying to do with AI because they have all this amazing cloud platform and now they're trying to integrate the components of AI services they have so it, it'll be more convenient to use. It'll probably be easier to now use your application within ECS with the AI models from, I don't know, this one with uh, Bedrock rather than going to ChatGPT. I hope, I think that's what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, maybe. Th 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one. <laughs> we don't know. We, we, <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, by the way, and they now offer the feature of fine tuning. So if you have a model in Bedrock that you run uh, to help you with your code, with your application, you can now fine tune it to your needs. And everything, again, is served by an API. So you can literally fine tune it with another application that does that through an API. Uh, next on Let, the let's list. Let's stay in that area. Yeah. Okay. I think I saw another new service or announcement about Component Composer or something, like where you can create infrastructure in your IDE. So let's say you're using Visual Studio Code, you can create CloudFormation templates like with a graphical user interface, just drag and drop services, connect between them, like uh, resources, not services. So you can drag an API gateway, get drag a Lambda function, connect between them. And Omer, I don't know, I don't see your, if you're smiling or not, but I'm sure you're thinking of Devic. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, Amazon it's a just released tried to build, a yes. product that Omer wo worked on Was building, yeah. before, what, three years, four years? <laughs> L luckily, <laughs> luckily it failed on time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, you, you know, we could have been that yeah. startup that would just die. Today. Or Amazon could have bought you. Mm, Amazon could have bought like, you, us, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, what we built, by the way, was intentionally built on top of Terraform. So it will be compatible to everywhere. And it, it was intentional because 
by the way, this is not new, completely new from CloudFormation. You always had this horrible CloudFormation UI where you can drag and drop stuff or at least have a visualization of what's going on in the system or in your template. And I think you can play around with it, like delete components but off of it. it's supportive AI, you know. Exactly. So now it's, I, sure, now it's improved and everything, but you did, you, you did have the functionality if you really wanted to have it. Um, interesting to see how many people will use it. I don't know. The one thing that I do have to say. Yeah. It's integrated with AI. You have a UI. That's all nice and dandy. I've been using Copilot specifically just for trying out for the past two weeks. If you write a comment now, please create a CloudFormation template of a VPC with an ECS cluster and four containers with redundancy of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, additional two com containers. Here are the images. Here are the blah, blah, blah. You will get the code completed before you before you manage to hit enter. You'll just get a, a code completion where you can approve or, or change. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And this thing, if you're not a company, if you're a company, you have another uh, things to worry about, I mean, legally. But if you're not a company, you're just a, an employee on your own or whatever, and you don't care about the legal stuff, uh, GitHub can provide solutions trained and based on the entire GitHub open source code which is basically all of the open source code in the world, almost like 95% of it. That's, that's amazing. So imagine having a model that's trained and dedicated especially for that. Everything that was ever published, ever written, every piece of code, the model has it and it knows how to create it. So I don't know, maybe AUI is still nice and to visualize type and, and make you know, small adjustments. But for the vast majority of it, I think you can create everything just by telling the AI what to do. Yeah, 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 I totally agree. I also like co-pilot a lot. Look what we're doing. We're talking about AWS and then we talk about GPT. Then we talk about AWS and we talk about GitHub. So it's like a, it's like a hidden commercial for OpenAI and Microsoft, you know, but whatever. Look, <laughs> I, I thought it'll happen because to be honest, for the past, I've been trying all kinds of models, Codium, Copilot, GPT, which are all amazing. <clears throat> I did not try AWS as yet because, you know, uh, that's life. They don't integrate with too many things. They just offer the service and the API and you build something on top of it. So it's not as accessible as the other ones, right? All the three I just mentioned, I love using mm -hmm. NeoVim, which is kind of a niche thing. If you're using VS Code, you probably have uh, connectors to everything. All the three I mentioned have official plugins and connectors to NeoVim. So I could just use them from within the ID. I just write a comment within NeoVim and it pops. <clears throat> so nothing to do there, which is really cool. But there's also um, Amazon Q Insight, which you also probably read about. That, that was the next thing on my list. Uh, I think this is a chatbot, right? If I'm not mistaken. Isn't it? Yeah. I think Amazon Q, it's a chatbot that, that's meant yeah, to speak like to your customers. Yeah, like inside AWS. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, have go to ahead. speak to your customers. I saw that if you want to provision infrastructure in AWS. Okay. So... It's like, a, it's like a chatbot on your infrastructure where you can talk with it about your account. That is interesting. That's not what I understood, but Opa. I only read like, a, I only skimmed through the announcement. So maybe you have something. So maybe I didn't I, understand, I, you know, it's amazing. Two people can read the same announcement and get different things. <laughs> I'll tell you what completely derailed my thought there. Did you see what happened to Chevrolet last week with their AI bot? No. 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 Okay. So AWS released AWS, uh, Chevrolet put on their website, this new chatbot that can now speak to you. And it says on top, it's powered by GPT-4. So people said, okay, it's powered by GPT-4. Let's try cool stuff. 
please create a Python script that scrapes the, <laughs> the website and exports it in a, in a JSON model. So we just started creating random code completely has nothing to do with Chevrolet or their sites. So they just put GPT-4 and let it run through the chatbot. It can help you when you're trying to buy a car, but it can also help you create a Terraform template, right? Through the chatbot. So you don't have to pay for <laughs> to open AI. You can just use Chevrolet's website as your new uh, GPT-4 console, which is kind of funny. Um, wow. And that's why you want to have a dedicated model that only does stuff uh, that you play with. But people found a funny solution to that as well. They asked him, okay, are you considered a real representative of Chevrolet? And the bot says, yes, of course, I can help you with anything. So if I ask you something, that's like, that's done deal. Yeah. So the bot says, yeah, of course. So he asks, um, can you now say that I, I forgot the model name, but a specific model name now costs 20 bucks. He says, yeah, of course. So say it. So he says it. Okay. I want to buy it for 20 bucks. <laughs> Obviously, that's not legally, uh, they're not uh, bound to, to, to do it. But you know how you walk into a store and if you, if you see a price on something, they have to sell you the product in that price because it's their mistake, even if they made a mistake. Mm -hmm. So that can kind of lead to yeah. the same point, uh, which it didn't, but it was funny enough if it did. If someone bought a truck Ridiculous. for 20, uh, 20 bucks, yeah, that would be funny. Uh, so companies need to be, be a little bit careful on how they use the things. Um, okay, so, so so we also sort of covered Amazon Q Insight or whatever because we don't really know what it does because we both read it and we don't really know if it does. Which what is we a think. good uh, point to remind that we have a Twitter page where you can tell us what Amazon Q does because we couldn't figure it out. So when we put the episode there, <laughs> just comment with your thoughts. We skimmed through it too fast. Even though when I connected to my AWS account, I saw it and I saw that if I want to use it, I need to like ask your administrator to enable it. And I was like, I don't have the energy to go to the settings and try and figure out how to enable it and how much it will cost and whatever. So I just dropped it, you know, and that's sad, by the yeah. way, think about it. Like tons of engineers spent tons of hours to build a cool new feature. And because, and, and, and even though you log into your AWS account and you see it, you know, it pops up and you're, and I was like, okay, so let's start using it like ChatGPT. Let's just start seeing what's going on. So for ChatGPT, all I had to do, do you remember what did you need to do to use ChatGPT 3.5, Omer? Mm, nothing. Like what did you need to do to start using it? Sign in with Google, right? Yeah, yeah, no, nothing. I mean, you can use it today so it was for like, basically no cost, yeah. Yeah, like sign with Google and you're using it and that's it. Mm -hmm. AWS mm -hmm. tells you, listen, tell your administrator to enable this and that. And then you're like, wait, 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 wait. If I need to enable it, maybe it's going to cost like God knows what. Do yeah. I have the time to deal with it right now? No. Because you know, I, I went on to my AWS account, not for fun. I went, I like, I browsed to the account to work, right? I'm not yeah. just going to my AWS console because, hmm, let's see what's going on. So... It's hard to adopt a new product like this if it's not like, you know, super easily integrated. You know, I'm already there. Just let me chat with it to see if it's worth the energy to go and try and enable the premium features maybe or whatever. But let me use I it. I agree. You know? I just think it's intentional. I think they're exactly what you're saying is what they're expecting. And I think when AWS, when I started, like, I don't know, seven years ago, it was this kind of a thing. There's a new feature, go ahead, use it, just do whatever you want, and the cost would just blow immediately. I think AWS 
have gotten a big backfire from accounts, individuals trying to use new features. And with AI, it can get quickly out of hand and they're just trying to do stuff. And people just start complaining. Oh, no, I paid uh, $5,000 and just an individual is trying to do something. I forgot and in EC2 with the GPU turned on. So if I'm understanding that correctly, AWS know where those pitfalls are and are trying to avoid them by letting you confirm something. It's just like with the... Uh, with a small checkbox that I want to confirm I'm deleting this stack now so to, and, and write the name of the stack or write delete me to delete a bucket. So I think that's the same thing. But yeah, I get what you're saying. They probably just don't care enough. All right. Uh, sorry, sorry for being muted. I, I During what you said, I also just read, I think I mixed up between Amazon QuickSight and Amazon Q, by the way. Okay. Yeah, that I think that's the mix. Sense. Like, there is Amazon Q in QuickSight, so I think the new Amazon Q in QuickSight. You know, so I think this is like why I I was a bit confused. What I'm talking about is Amazon QuickSight, which tells you quick like insights and whatever about mm. your infrastructure, so and it uses I think the generative A bot of Amazon Q. I think like according to interesting the ten seconds that I was. Reading, you know. That, by the way, that's something that I always thought was one of the best applications for AI chatbots. You can apply it on a set of data. You're running like a data warehouse. You're collecting data, and you have all those data engineers are sitting and running queries to try and understand and find insights on their own. That's a perfect job for an AI model. Mm -hmm. Just have your entire set of data trained on, and then starts running all kinds of queries and understand insights, and then you can ask in a natural language things that you want to understand instead of com running all those complex SQL queries. So I think that's a job that's going to uh, I agree. disappear from the world. So pretty we, we'll move on to the next next topic. Yeah. I feel like it's a blackjack, you know? I'm like, eventually, <laughs> I'm going to be like, hit me, hit me, all right. hit me, until we get to the last topic and we'll be like, okay, 21. Okay, so let, let's go with the last so Omer, uh, hit me. AI announcement. Okay, the last AI announcement that I have, which was relatively interesting to me, was the fact that AWS, they have all kinds of chips that they now offer for you to run with your EC2s. Now they have one that's called Trainium 2, which is probably there to train AI models. So that was just an interesting release. You know, it, it keeps being stronger and stronger and more powerful. You had standard ones, and then we had, uh, I don't know, ARM, and then we had, um, what was it, Gravitons, and now we have Trainium, and it's <laughs> it's going to blow up at some point. So that was the last interesting AI announcement. Now I want to talk you to another world, which is more kind of down to earth and something that we all use, and that's the serverless world. So what was I, maybe that's the most interesting, by the way, the most interesting announcement of AWS was the fact that you can now have three new services in a completely serverless model. So that would be uh, Aurora Database, Elasticish, and Redshift which up until today, they were uh, kind of kind of a service, well, kind of a serverless service, but not really. You had to run servers. You had to have like your own, you still have to have your own Elastic Ash cluster. It takes time to provision, yada, yada, yada. Now you can have it as a service, just like you're using redis.com, for example. You don't ask to launch a cluster. You tell them, I need... Uh, Redis cache in this region, and I'm expecting this kind of traffic. It'll scale up and down based on you what just you, get an endpoint, and that's it. You just get an endpoint, exactly endpoint and credentials. So they now offer these three services in the same manner. Uh, I think 
Do you know of a relational database that ever gave this kind of a service to anyone completely serverless? I'm not sure I know any. Ah, no. Uh, so, I mean, Dynam no. Dynamo is the most famous one that but I can think of. But also it's going to be like, uh, it's <clears throat> funny because it's going to be probably like Lambda where they say, you got to set up the VPC because usually when you select how to create instances, you're telling them, okay, I want them in the this VPC in the private subnets. So in this model, what you're talking about right now, they'll probably, when you're going to create the Aurora, they're still going to tell you, okay, it's going to be VPC peering or like, I, I wonder how the network is going to work in the serverless model for consistent workloads like databases, you know? Yeah. Because if it's I consistent and there's latency and speed and whatever, it's going to be crazy to deal with it when it's not in your VPC and not in your availability zone or whatever, especially if you use high volumes of data. I didn't think of that. Zoom. I mean, okay, that's a great point. Now you're going to launch something that is completely... Okay, Lambdas, for example. You can launch the Lambdas and tell them that you want them to run within a VPC, but they, they're not really running within a VPC. They're running on AWS infrastructure, but they are connected to your VPC with a network card that says, okay, I now can take a private IP from this subnet. Fine. <clears throat> How would it work with database? Would that be the same? With your, will your database run on an external system, which seems kind of scary or risky. And on the other hand, if that's not the case and it is running in your VPC, how do you manage the allocation of IPs? Is that ongoing? How, how do you manage a cluster that's running in your network, but you don't control any aspect of it and you just get an endpoint? That's, that's an interesting question. So we question. are curious about the underlying, <laughs> underlying implementation of AWS when it comes yes. to how do you provision a serverless database outside of my VPC or outside of my control? You know, we can't really figure it out. We'll, we'll get it, but right now we look, don't really know how it's going to work. To be honest, if you take a look at Dynamo or even something completely external like Mongo, which are not relational, but it's the same thing. It's a database that's holding your precious data. You can use it over the internet with your endpoint. You can also create a VPC peering. So you get it like connected to your network in a peering but you can also have a private link, right? So it's on a different network, but it, you get it as a private link. Maybe that's the way it would work. They you know, deploy it on a private AWS network. You create a, uh, a VPC endpoint that connects to Aurora, maybe, and then you can communicate with it private in some way. So it's not running within your VPC, but, oh man, it's running it. Yeah. Th think about Netflix. Hang on, think about Netflix, not about what you're doing. Think about like large AWS consumers, okay? I don't think mm -hmm. they can use it because VPC peering, data transfer costs money. Okay. So why would you something. pay more? Like, okay, so it's managed. It's a managed service and you don't really need to do anything. You need to blah, blah. Yeah. But still, it's like if you, you, if you have high volumes of data, then it might cost you tons of money, all this network throughput. I don't know. Maybe it's okay. not an issue. Maybe AWS decided that it's not working like that. Maybe we're just, you know. Um, okay. <laughs> I love the balloons. <laughs> yeah, why did I get the balloons? I don't know. Uh, two things about that. First of all, I used to be the, the this guy that always popped the Netflix question, but what would Netflix do? What would Netflix do there? I once spoke to the guy who led the ECS product group, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he told me, yes, Netflix is our biggest customer. It used to be, right? Maybe it's not up to date. It was like five years ago. He told me Netflix are so big, they have their own control plane for ECS. Part of it they developed and built in collaboration with AWS and they have their own system. So 
anything that's applicable to Netflix is probably completely irrelevant to the rest of the world, right? And then by Netflix, that's just a code name for any other huge customer, which is not me. Mm-hmm. Now about the traffic, I think AWS and any other cloud platform are trying or are, they're taking money for traffic that's mostly going out of the platform, right? You are paying for other kinds of traffic, but the expensive bit of it is for traffic going out of AWS into the internet. If I'm not mistaken, by having a private endpoint that runs through a VPC endpoint, meaning you're using a private gateway, you'll not be paying as much if, as if you are running over the wire. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I, I'm sure they I, thought of something good. You know, we just don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, it's, it's interesting. It's probably out there. I bet the they way, thought of know. something that. It's not secretive. That's what I'm saying. And lambdas, yeah, lambdas are working the same. Dynamo is working the same. It's it's not uh, <laughs> it's not a secret. We'll figure it out. But yeah, it'll probably work pretty much the same. The cool how thing fun about it is it, though, that you know that we have yeah. a delay, right? See yeah. how I like sort of interrupted you, but I didn't really because you're not speaking <laughs> on my end now. But I realize now that I've interrupted you. <laughs> but yeah, so we have a delay of one or two seconds. I I bet the uh, like our audience already noticed that. Uh, hopefully it will. Uh, it won't. Uh, it won't be so buggy to. Yeah. Yes. To hear side it. note. Right. Side note. I'm in Portugal right now, and that's why. Uh, so probably a crappy internet. But if you're thinking of going to Portugal, that's a perfect time because not too many people go, and there's a perfect sun. It's not as hot as the summer, but there's a perfect sun outside. So if you're not living in a sunny country, that Amazing. would be a great escape. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else about the serverless? Let's services? move on to the the. Wait, 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 wait with the serverless. I want to okay. talk about something which costs money. Go ahead. CloudWatch. Okay. Yeah, forget that one. Like I'm talking and I wait two seconds for your confirmation, you know? So CloudWatch, <laughs> okay. where they announced this year about the infrequent class model where you can store logs that you don't really care about. Now that's... Interesting. I, I, I'm lying. It's not that you don't really care about, but without all the fully fledged features of the standard logs. Okay. But the pricing is half. And by half, I mean by the ingest. So in case you don't know, most of the price or the, the reason, the, the, I don't know, the majority, I think, of the price when you pay for logs is for ingest. Okay. The logs that you send to the service that stores the logs. So storage is usually cheap. But ingest is expensive. I'm telling it to the audience, Omer. Obviously, you know that. And now AWS said, wait, maybe if you don't need this uh, metric filters or uh, I don't analytics or whatever on your logs, maybe for development environments where you just shoot tons of logs and it costs tons of money to use logging systems when you turn on the debug flag in your application. So if you use this model of infrequent access, which I'm, I'm like, the name is a bit misleading because I'm not even sure it's infrequent. It's like not cool access because it's just the standard logs without all the extra features AWS has to offer. So again, I'm not, see how I read the announcement and I'm still not fully sure what it means. Maybe I need to read more about this and use it, but like, did you really understand it otherwise? I can make a guess. I didn't read that through. 
uh, my guess is that AWS are trying to index if you're giving them a structure, even if you're not, I think, by the way, but they're trying to index your logs just like Elastic is doing for you to be able to query. So you can you you can run just a simple text wiki query, but you can run like log insights and analytics and use this. I don't know if it's Lucene or another language, but there is a query language you can run for your logs. You're right, Omer, because standard logs include live stream and the infrequent access logs does not include live stream. And probably live stream is text. because they're using some Kafka or Elastic or <clears> some <throat> streaming system to do it faster. And now they're saying, listen, you can look at the logs, but don't look at them, you know, live stream. You'll see them in a few minutes or in yeah. an hour. Or, so it depends on the use case, but maybe for development environments, it's better. I don't know. And, and it's Need probably only textual, textual search that you can't do much beyond. But you, you get your logs in text mode, so that's good enough, I think. All right, cool. That's good to know. Uh, yeah. Do you know how do you apply it, by the way? Do you configure when you, when you create a stream or a CloudWatch log? Uh, what would they call them? So I read that it happens when you create a CloudWatch log group and you can't group, yeah. change it afterwards. So, so if you created a log group with <laughs> infrequent access class, it stays like that. How, how do they do the same thing over and over regardless of service, right? Infrequent started with S3. Now they call infrequent access in CloudWatch. And they always start with, you cannot change it after you start. You used to uh, start a, an ECS cluster, if I'm not mistaken, with, with uh, container insights up. And you cannot change it. You need to create a new cluster. Now you can change it. You, you started by creating an EC2 with an IAM role. You cannot change the role. That's it for now and forever until the, the instance dies. <laughs> now you can change the instance role. It always starts by limiting you and they release it over time. And, and it's funny because, yeah, because in S3, you can yeah. change the tiering, whatever, you know, but, but here it's like, no, 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 for now you can't, but whatever, you know, yeah. so create a cloud log, log uh, group and it's annoying that to test it, I need to use it a lot because think of it, logs are something that aggregate. So only when mm -hmm. I have enough data sent to this new log group and I can compare with my standard log groups, I'll realize if I want to use it or not. And so it's a bit annoying that I can't really understand if I need to use it now or I should use it now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, cause even if it, cause I'll need my, like, it depends on the numbers. So maybe if I provided the numbers of my logs, like with a click, I'll get analytics on my logs saying, listen, you consume this and that in these applications. And this is the ingest, this is the storage. If you use um, infrequent access, whatever, then it will be this cheaper, you know, instead of me trying to figure out all this. Yep, yep. Um, Very interesting. Cool. Okay, so Omer, do yeah. you want to move to the corner or another service? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have any more services, but I'm pretty ready for the corner. Yala. Oh, Omer is burning for the corner. Okay, so we hit yeah. the, the jackpot. We hit the 21, enough services, enough yeah. announcements. I don't really think we really understood the announcement, which is amazing. And, uh, <laughs> and okay, ready for the corner. So, corner of the week. Yep. Okay, Omer, welcome to the corner of the week where you can say whatever you want about future, past, present, progressive, past, simple uh, experience or knowledge that you've experienced or will experience. So go ahead and do your thing. Okay, I have a lot of them and, and a main one. Let me just say the, the essentials, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick one and then I'll say the main thing I want to say. The quick one is just I discovered that AWS have their own... 
I don't want to know how to call it a foundation or whatever. They have a segment in AWS that is in charge of open source, not only their own open source, they're also collaborating with many other developers and they're financing other open source projects. So I just uh, logged into Twitter last night. I'm trying not to, but I did. And I saw a developer saying, oh, that's cool. I, he has, he's running a very famous project. AWS just fund, uh, they just funded me with $10,000 to just you know, through their uh, open source foundation, they just gave him money to support his work. So that's pretty cool. And they have a list of services. It's called AWS, I'll leave a link, but AWS slash open source. They have a list of projects and organizations and and many things they're trying to do. That's the first thing. The other is uh, HashiCorp News. Uh, HashiCorp is named after their founder, Mitchell, Mitchell Hashimoto, okay? He started the company with his... I think roommate from college and you know HashiCorp, I don't need to talk about it a lot. They have so many products. Everything is open source, huge. I mean, they have a huge uh, effect on the, on the DevOps industry. And recently we heard they're not going closed source, but they're changing the licensing. So it's kind of weird now if you're running a commercial product based on their things. Anyway, uh, Mitchell is leaving the company and he uh, put up a blog post telling everything, uh, the history of everything he was doing since the company started. He talked about how the company used to run in early days. And then he explained, well, not why he's living, but he's just kind of telling his story throughout the years. So that was a really cool read, really interesting. It's not getting into why he's living, what he's going to do, anything like that. Just the history. Cool story to read. So I'll leave a link to that as well. That's it. Okay. Cool. Okay, so I'll just share a short experience I had um, for auto, like I, I want to synthesize my voice, you know, so do like text to speech where you write down something and you'll hear my voice saying it. So I'm trying to synthesize my voice with AI, machine learning, whatever. I'm using Google Collab for that. So I have a notebook that gets my data for my drive because I recorded my voice and then it starts training the model. I'm using Vitz model using the LJ speech data set. Now that might sound like Japanese to most of you or even to, to some of you, but uh, we can talk about it like in a, in a different session, you know, about all this AI, because it's very interesting how I didn't know anything, you know, all this deep learning, machine learning. I had no idea about anything. It's not like now I'm an expert, but at least I have a, you know, bird's eye view of the whole process. And what I'm doing now, I'm fine tuning this model, but to do that, I need to record my voice. And if you want to record like, you know, two, three samples of your voice, that's fine. But if you need to record a hundred recordings, you need to have a system, you know, Omer. So that's like the sweet spot where like when I decided I need a lot of samples, I need to do it efficiently. I can't just record and, you know, pray that it will somehow get uh, normalized and without silences and God knows what you need to do before you pre-process data for training your voice. So I automated the process with Audacity. Okay, so now I'm recording with Audacity and I created some sort of a Python package that automates stuff in Audacity. I don't want to get into it too much. I want to touch the DevOps part of it. As part of developing the automation to automate Audacity, I, I like Audacity is a graphical user interface application. You know, it's a real application that you click record and then it records your voice. 
So I used GitHub Actions uh, runners, the macOS and Windows runners, because this application runs on Windows and macOS. And I started Audacity, and then I wrote unit tests in Python that actually test the application. So it's funny to think that somewhere in the cloud, a computer, you know, starts starts a pipeline, a workflow or whatever, and then opens Audacity, does its thing, and then uh, and then I get the results and see that it's, you know, I compare the results to see, okay, it's good. And so I was able to test my automation, whatever, with GitHub Actions because they provide machines with graphical user interface. Sad point about it, I've realized that Linux machines do not have graphical user interface. So I can't really test it on Linux. So I can't support my users on Linux unless I run tests on my, on a virtual machine, yeah. you know, and then run tests. But you can run your um, own runners, no? With Linux, like with an Ubuntu. I don't want to, it's an open source. No, no, Omer, it's right, an open okay. source. I run it on the free public runners, you know, because it's okay, open that, source, you can do whatever what I you want. To ask. Okay, okay. Got yeah, it. I don't want to build an EKS cluster or whatever. Um, so that's <laughs> it on my part. We can dig on deep learning, machine learning, AI, crazy stuff next week. I think it's super interesting. And yeah. uh, Omer, last thing to say, something to add. Uh, no, but if you have free time, try me journey V6. You won't be disappointed. It's crazy. Thank you for the tip. The world gets crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped, by the way. Yala, amigo. No time to spend. Yala, see you next week. <laughs> Yala, amigo, muchachos, chiquitas. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>